When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Jill Flynn is the former senior vice president at the fourth largest bank in the nation. She's written for the Harvard Business Review, and she's a two-time leadership book author, achieving bestseller status with the New York Times, Amazon, USA Today, and the Wall Street Journal. A longtime champion of women in leadership, she now leads leadership development and diversity, equity, and inclusion training efforts at Flynn Heath Leadership, a BPI group company. Tonight, we drink in top-shelf leadership principles from someone who's molded over 16,000 leaders. This is straight talk you won't hear anywhere else. I'm Galen Bingham, and this is the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Cheers. That's a great set of stories about your journey into who you are and some of the things that you've seen. One of the things that I personally have to manage for myself when I'm working with a client or a coaching client or a consulting type of a relationship, and because of my experience, I can see things that are getting in the other person's way. You know, and for me, it's just like, all you need to do is just do these three things or stop (laughs) doing these four things. It's just so clear to me. But what I've learned is I can't want it for them. If they don't want it, there won't be the motivation to continue. And usually they get annoyed by you offering to help in areas that they don't want. Yeah, that's that's hard, isn't it? Always struggle with how do you struggle with that yes oh it just it's so hard because you can see the power that the possibilities that they have and sometimes they don't choose them it's disappointing but they're right i just uh came across a a quote i'm a big quote fan and so i want to share this with you and get your reaction to it Uh, the quote is we create stress for ourselves because we feel we have to I don't do that anymore. That was a quote by Oprah Winfrey. She says she just doesn't do that anymore. Oh, Oprah, what about you, Galen? Oh, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's tempting to create stress for ourselves. It is. It is. It's it tempting is. because, and you know, she says, because you feel like you have to, you feel like this is supposed to be hard and I've got to show that I'm struggling with something. 
mm-hmm. and Oprah says she doesn't do that anymore. How does that hit you? I mean, do you struggle with creating stress for yourself because you yes, feel like you have absolutely. to? absolutely. I do. I do a lot of busyness. I like to be busy and I like planning. I mean, that's one of my, it's one of my strengths. <laughs> and I overuse it and I overfunction with that. And um, we're getting ready to have my, we have four grandchildren and one of them was born in January. He's going to be a year old tomorrow, actually. And I wanted, you know, I wanted to do the birthday party with just our daughter and son-in-law and the older sister. You know, it's just our little bubble. But anyway, so I have totally overfunctioned. So I'm doing, I'm working hard as I possibly can, trying to eat right and do all those other things. And I have been running around. I decided I wanted to have little macaroons as (laughs) favors. I was running around today doing that. So yeah, I'm not, that's not a strength of mine. I like the stress though. If I create it, I I sort of like it because it's a way that I'm creative. But when I don't like it is when I take on too many, I say yes too many. I've gotten much better at not saying yes to everything. I used to do that and just be overwhelmed and resent it. I don't do that anymore around professional. I do it personally, but I don't do uh, create too much stress for myself. I think as you get older, it's easier to say no because you've been there and done that probably, whatever it is, and you don't need to say yes every time and you sort of learn that people will like you anyway or if they don't, you know, that's a, another thing. But um, I, I find it easier uh, professionally to, to not have stress, too much stress. I do have some, uh, but not personally. <laughs> gotcha. Well, you know, I, I um, I'm going to seize this opportunity to talk about one of our seminal interactions that really caused me to take a step back and reassess several things that I was doing. Because as we said in the you know, as I said in the beginning, you know, we met. It was an engagement. You know, you you were kind of constructing this program. I was going to be one of your facilitators to deliver the program. I've facilitated programs for years and feel like I, you know, pretty comfortable doing whatever I need to do in front of anyone and delivered it a couple of times. It was on racial, uh, actually it was on the impact of race specifically. Mm-hmm. And based upon my experience, and I talk about this a little bit in my intro episode, being an African-American in corporate America, you get pretty good at understanding how to be good without being too good. Because being too good can be problematic. Not being good enough can get you fired, but being too good can get you fired too. Uh, and so you learn to walk that line and do as my pastor <laughs> once said, instead of doing the real thing, you do something similar to the real thing. And so you get really good at that. So that's kind of how I had been operating. And, you know, I would have those conversations and, you know, I wouldn't really go really deep into the conversation, but I'd get close enough to the, to the real points to convey, convey what I thought was important. And, you know, you pulled me aside and you said, you know, hey, Kaylin, enjoying working with you. You clearly have some ability and some talent in this space. 
but I feel like you're holding something back and I don't know what it is. And I just really want to invite you to bring more of yourself into this project that we're working on because there's value in whatever it is that you seem reluctant to bring. And I'll tell you, after we had that conversation, while we were having that conversation, I think I was pretty polite and professional. I, I remember not liking you very much, right? Yeah, now you told me later. <laughs> I, you know, in my quiet time, I was like, this lady has no idea. And who can she? And I can't believe. And how dare she? Until I reflected on my experience and that protective measure that you know, many of the African-Americans in corporate America that I have associated with, and I can only assume the same is not only true, but maybe even truer for women, this ability that you learn, this, this learned trait of doing something, something similar to the real thing. And so based upon that, you know, that really kind of birthed this podcast, this desire to share the real thing. And so I just, first of all, I want to give you the public acknowledgement of, <laughs> of uh, you know, you either get the credit or the blame for unleashing this and then, and then just ask you, what is that thing that I seem to find common among people like me who feel this need to provide something similar to the real thing as opposed to going into these places where we've got the credibility, we've got the, the intelligence, we've got the aptitude, but we feel like we need to hold something back. What is that thing that you identified, uh, although you maybe couldn't articulate it? I can give you some thoughts on it. And I want to say that you were so open to the feedback you told me later that you were mad at me, but you, you were so open and you said, oh, you're the kind of person that gives feedback. This is great. Thank you. You know, um, I really do believe in that because it's the same that one of the things I, I have a few strengths and one of them is I can see people's potential more than they can a lot of times. And I don't know. I think I got that from my mother. I don't know where I got it, but. What I was really inviting you to do is you could be even more impactful. And you decided to do that, by the way. So I want kudos for that. One observation I've had is it's hard for anyone who's a minority, be it female, man of color, woman of color, you know, white, female, whatever, to know how much they can really express themselves honestly. But I will say that white women probably have an advantage because even though in business, like when I started, we were a real minority, of course, in business now, we're still a minority, but you know, we're, there are not as many of us that are onlys. And that is mostly still true with African-Americans and other racial minorities. And the advantage that I think white women have in those situations is that 
white men are used to, to white women. Now, they may put us in, in the wrong little, they may stereotype us and do other things, microaggressions that, of that sort. But, you know, we've been around these white guys. We, you know, and we've decided how we're going to deal with them. Well, you have too. But I think there's a, maybe a wider guardrails for white women only because of that familiarity thing than there are for any racial minority. And particularly black men, there's this whole manhood thing. You don't want to threaten the person and there's hierarchy and you don't want to threaten their status and their, you know, all that business. I mean, men, women are not so status oriented as men are in hierarchies. Just as a gender, we really are not as much. Then if you're a black woman, that gives no, no obvious connection to if you're an older white man and you're a 30-year-old black woman who's really talented and you're a 55-year-old white man. I mean, we have that all the time in some of our coaching. These women will say, well, because you'll say, you've got to get known by some of these, you know, they've got to know who you are. And they'll say, well, I don't, how am I going to get to know, you know, these guys who are 55 years old and married and I'm single and, you know, different race, different gender. And, and it's truly an issue. So you've got to acknowledge that I think white women have an advantage there. And yet it is clearly possible to bridge that. And you've got to get some white males. As long as white males are in charge, you've got to get some of them knowing who you are and thinking you're great. So you've got to be real creative about doing that. Yeah. Wow. Speaking of being creative, you mentioned some of the... R&B influence that you had earlier. You mentioned Ray Charles, who was one of the first people I've ever been aware of that has had hits in multiple genres, right? He does country yes, western, yes. he does rock and roll, he, you know, R&B, jazz, you know, just, he does music, right? I, he I, does, he does, he does. I, I heard uh, Miles Davis once say, who was my all-time favorite, uh, he doesn't believe in putting music in categories. If it's good, it's good. You know, I, I've often drawn the analogy of jazz music in particular being a template or a, a, a great analogy for life. There's no real script. So my question to you is, what role do you see thinking about and understanding music playing in in how we try to navigate you know, we're all trying to figure this thing out, right? We're all trying to figure out how do we yeah. express what's inside of us. Where does music fit into that conversation for you? Gosh, music is so transformative. And, and you're right, Ray Charles. And I was thinking you might ask me about musicians. And Nina Simone was always another one that I just, there's something about the vulnerability and the emotionality. That's why I think I like black music so much. It's not so restricted. You know, maybe that is a metaphor. We need to give ourselves our own power to be who we are and have our voice heard. And I know that's scary because nobody wants to get fired. But a lot of times when you read these stories, turning point for people is when they really found their own voice and let it go. I mean, the same thing probably happens in music. People like to imitate others and all that kind of thing. And then they finally find their own voice, their own 
thing that they want to convey and it works. I think music is magic. I tell my husband that. He sort of takes for granted that he's a musician and he's been popular and blah, blah, blah. But gosh, oh, I would give anything. I mean, if I could come back, I used to say if I could come back, I would be a backup singer for Ray Charles, one of the Raylettes. But now I would say <laughs> I would be the singer. I would be like Aretha Franklin or Carol King or somebody like that. You know, a lot of times songwriters write the songs, but they don't sing the songs, and then they end up singing the songs, and it's really good. You know, it's we just watched a documentary about Linda Ronstadt, who I never was a fan of. I mean, I just didn't pay attention to her. She was amazing. She did all kinds of things and had a fabulous voice. They wanted to restrict her to be country first, and then she did all, anyway, she ended up doing opera and all kinds of things. But I think it's about find, literally finding your voice. I can see that fitting into and weaving into your life and your career. I mean, you're helping women all over the world find their voice. Now you're doing that same thing for people of color, just helping people find their voice because it's only when you have the courage to step into this space that you were created to step into that everyone benefits. That's the biggest frustration that I have, especially with leaders who don't get it. They usually say, hey, I'm, I'm focused on delivering results, so I don't have time to focus on all this other stuff. And they don't get the fact that it's all this other stuff that's limiting their results. Yeah. It's really all connected. If you can only take a step back and, and, and see the broader picture, I think they would realize this because we're not talking about ineffective leaders. We're not talking about leaders that don't get it. They get it in their space. They're just not seeing the broader picture. And, and you, you have definitely demonstrated that you've seen that. So one of the things that I have promised my listeners is that with every guest that I talk to, that they would get the benefit of what they believe are, what my guests believe to be the keys to leadership. So what are just some jewels, some things that you believe are really, really important for leaders to embrace, to leverage? You've talked about several already. What would be some things that you'd wanna leave our leaders with uh, as they're listening to this, to this episode? Well, we have talked about several. One that we haven't talked about is, um, you know, there used to be a lot of research about leadership, and it was all, number one, based on white male leaders. That was interesting. And number two, it was trait-based. So there are probably two things I would say. The research has evolved a lot from that since, since those days. But I think that as a leader, you need to really understand what are your superpowers. You've got two or three strengths that are compelling. Everybody does. They're innate. They're your go-tos. Like one of mine is, is really, I think, seeing potential in people and helping them feel empowered. But whatever they are, you then need to build your team out to balance you out. I mean, you're not going to ever know all the answers. You're not ever going to ha have everything right. You're not going to have all the skills. And so, fine. Good teams can work under lots of different kinds of leaders. I've learned that. But if the leader is smart enough to balance themselves out and hear those other voices 
then they'll be, they have a chance to have a good team. If they don't, if they just hire in their own image and don't want to hear anything different, which there's still some of that command and control, you know, I'm going to just do like me. That's a recipe for disaster. And the other thing I would say that has been really hard over the years, it's a a journey, is this whole thing about taking care of yourself because it feels selfish. And in the macho culture, I remember at the bank, it was all about FaceTime and who got there the earliest and stayed the latest and worked the hardest and all those kinds of things. And I bought into that. I smoked. I was a smoker. I mean, my gosh, I can't imagine all the dumb stuff I did. But anyway, if you can really take yourself seriously as someone who needs to be cared for by yourself first, then you'll have the energy and resilience and talent to keep moving and keep going and keep contributing. But there's a lot of burnout. We know this. There's a lot of burnout. You've got to learn to pace yourself, take care of yourself. Mm, that's a, a great point to end this conversation. And I'm going to admit, I, I've gotten so into this conversation. I haven't been drinking E.H. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor at all. I've just been so enjoying this. And so thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. But then also just thank you for what you are meaning to so many women and people of color in, in corporate America. And then thank you also just for what you've meant to me. And as I said before, you don't fit the image of who I would think would be one of my quick mentors, but you definitely have reserved that space. And I want to thank you for that. So with that, would love to toast and uh, to the future. To the future. We'll get there together, Galen. All right. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.